The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench. Rory O'Hagan here with you until 7 p.m. this evening. What a packed show we have for you this evening. Cork football boss Keith Wickham will be on the line shortly to talk to us about their defeat to Ross Commons today in their first game in the National League Division 2. So Keith Wickham will be along very, very shortly indeed. Also on the show tonight, we're going to talk about an amazing day for Raf Nadal. What a performance in that Australian Open final talking to tennis. A journalist and our good friend uh, Colin Buig about that in a little bit. We're going to talk to the Cork man uh, who will be representing Ireland at the Winter Olympics. That is Bob Newby. We're going to talk to new Cork Mogie captain Amy Lee. Going to look ahead to the Ireland on 20s kicking off the Six Nations campaign and plenty more. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Out of breath after reading all that is a busy show today. Glad you could join us uh, for the Big Red Bench, of course, here with you on Cork Red FM every Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Going to kick off the show by wrapping up all today's action. We're going to have Keith Rickon on the line in just a few moments' time. But yeah, defeat for Cork in Dr. High Park against Roscombe today. 113 to 10 points was the final score at a, a blustery, a wild Dr. Hyde Park today. Conditions not conducive to good football at all at all today but defeat for Cork today we'll get Keith Rickens views on that in just a couple of minutes elsewhere today in Division 2 it finished Galway 1-14 Meath 6 points Clare 1-13 Offaly 7 points Kildare marking their return to Division 1 of the Alliance National Football League with a home draw with Kerry 13 points 1-10 the final score in Newbridge Killian Spillane getting the Kingdom goal early on in the first half Kerry did lead by 5 points at one stage in the second half Lily White's boss Glenn Ryan uh, was absolutely delighted uh, with the way that his side fought back today uh, but he was also um, a little bit unhappy about uh, giving them such a big lead probably happy at the way they came back but probably disappointed that we had to come back to the degree that we did to many ways but uh, I suppose we got a point over it and the stage we'll be happy enough with it probably we had to work pretty hard to get the point but um, there was plenty of opportunities there where they could have stopped maybe doing the things that we asked them to do and they didn't so if we take anything out we'll take that you know Elsewhere, a, ray, a late Rob Henley points on Mayo Sealing, 11 points apiece, drove to Nagal Markovich Park, finished up 9 points apiece between Tyrone and Monaghan. As I mentioned, Rafa Nadal, oh my good God, this was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Five hours, 24 minutes, this Australian Open final um, against Daniel Medvedev, the world number two. Medvedev, two sets to love up, and you're thinking this is going to be uh, whitewash. Get the brush out for Rafa Nadal. No digs deep, comes back two sets apiece and that final set was just one of the most dramatic, tense um, sets of tennis I've ever seen. Um, incredible. It's just, look, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, 21 Grand Slam titles now for the Spaniard. He is the most successful men's singles player of all time. Absolutely sensational stuff. Marathon stuff today. It was just absolutely brilliant. I'll be talking to Colin Buick about that in just a little bit. Uh, dramatic scenes for Rory McIlroy in the final day of the Dubai Desert Classic this afternoon going into the final hole uh, knowing that a birdie would have given him the win uh, over his uh, fellow leaders at the time Norway's uh, Victor Hovland and the Englishman Richard Bland instead Roy McIlroy found the water uh, with his tee shot bogeyed the final hole instead missed out on the playoff he finished third Hovland went on to beat Bland in the playoff uh, having been three behind with three to play some incredible stuff uh, from the Norwegian there 
In football, a man in his 20s has been arrested on suspicion of rape and assault after Manchester United suspended footballer Mason Greenwood following allegations on social media. Greater Manchester Police uh, said it was made aware of social media images and videos posted by a woman reporting incidents of physical violence. It added, we can confirm a man in his 20s has since been arrested on suspicion of rape and assault. He remains in custody. A short statement from Manchester United was issued today saying we're aware of images and allegations circulating on social media. We will not make any further comments until the facts have been established. Manchester United does not condone violence of any kind. Uh, the quarterfinals of the Africa Cup of Nations continuing today. Egypt have beaten Morocco 2-1. Uh, the winner will uh, there. Egypt uh, going on to face Cameroon, the hosts in the semi-final. Uh, Senegal taking on Equatorial Guinea in the second game. Burkina Faso awaiting the winner there. Newcastle have completed the signing of Brazil international Bruno Gomeres. The midfielders joined the Premier League club from Lyon for an undisclosed fee on a four and a half year deal. Liverpool have made their first signing of the transfer windows. They brought in Luis Diaz from Portuguese side Porto. Robert of Ireland, captain Kenny McCabe and her Arsenal side are through to the four, uh, fifth round excuse me, of the FA Cup. That's after they beat the London City Lionesses 1-0 today. Elsewhere, Luis Quinn captain Birmingham's they beat Sunderland 2-1 after extra time. Elsewhere, um, Diane Caldwell was in the matchday squad for Manchester United after just signing for the club this week they beat Bridgewater United by two goals at 2-0 in rugby the Ireland women's sevens team are into the world rugby sevens final for the very first time as they beat England 29-0 in Seville today they face Australia in the final just before 7 o'clock Irish time this evening and in American football I cannot wait for tonight's action lads uh, the AFC NFC championship games taking place tonight place in the Super Bowl awaits um, I'm like a kid in Christmas Eve waiting for these matches. Cincinnati Bengals Kansas City Chiefs is underway from 8 o'clock followed by the San Francisco 49ers who I've always had a soft spot for uh, they take on the LA Rams tonight 11.30 uh, the kickoff time for that one. I'm not sure I'll be awake by then but I'll watch the highlights in the morning. Definitely going to check out the Bengals and the Chiefs though. 8 o'clock the kickoff time for that one. Right, we are going to start the show with Gaelic Games and as I mentioned at the top of the show defeat for Cork today in the Alliance National Football League Division 2 clash away to Roscommon uh, this afternoon um, tough conditions um, six point defeat for the Rebels uh, in their opening game Keith Rickens first National Football League game in charge and I'm delighted to say that Keith Rickens joins me on the line now Keith first of all thanks very much for talking to us on the show this evening um, first off what kind of game was it today Keith? It was, uh, it was tough conditions uh, you know you're travelling up there and you know just the weather was poor and the wind and you know the rain you know, the draft on both sides so it was hard to play good flowing football and um, no we you know, played well in patches, but only in patches. And, you know, we're disappointed with ourselves after the game, I think, really, in, in the amount of um, turnovers that we've had. Like, a lot of them were unforced, kind of, you know, silly stuff like that. You know, a pass or a kick pass, kind of just not concentrated on uh, excluded property. You need to be, at that next level, you need to, you know, have that right and ready. And I suppose that's disappointment. Like, boys would have shared that, really, as their biggest disappointment, really. You know, there was lots of things they were happy with, too. There was a walk rate and, you know the blocks and the tackles and stuff like that but unforced errors is something that's inexcusable and it comes back to bite you and it came back and bit him today really. I suppose I was going to ask you that the positives you can take from the game as you mentioned the work rate there and that's something you've been you've been keen to focus on and reiterate um, uh, since you've come in I suppose Yeah you know, I suppose every boss and every, everyone who wants to in charge of the team will mention work rate but it's easier said no and I thought that you know they, the lads did try very hard and you know the, the stats were showing that and there was you know they were 
as a group at times. But at times, you know, sometimes your you know your enthusiasm is great, but they're a bit naive at times. Especially in the first half, there we were, you know, pressing up them. You know, we left all the holes at the back, and that's kind of stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And we did that today, and we were kind of exposed in it, and we had it on the three points all, and you know, Dan Terry is always going on about in the importance of game management and you know walking through the situations of in. And I think today we didn't do that at, at that particular moment. Um, we kind of conceded one four there without reply. Before we got three points in it on the bounce before half time, but that moment in time really was, um, you know, it was hard in, in the conditions to get a, a flow of football after that, and uh, you know, that was just a disappointing part of it. But you know, I suppose that they tried to respond and they, they, they you know, they didn't, you know, call over or didn't abandon what they were trying to do. I suppose look, that's a positive too. And there's a first weekend. Our first game away, our first overnight, mm. and two and a bit years there with these guys, you know, you know, since COVID and everything. So, all new, a lot of new guys onto the panel. I was positive too, and happy with that. And you know, so, and you know, some good performances there. Young Rory McGuire had a good game. Colin McCallan had a good game. John Powell played well. You know, there was good, good football there at times for these guys. And John, yeah, I think he's over the last couple of years. So it's good to see him back and enjoying his football and playing well. So. There were lots of positives too, you know. I mean, there was, uh, you know, I thought uh, Ty Cockley, you know, had a good game there, and Kevin Clark came in and played well tonight, you know. So, there's lots of things that the older guys find with the farm, which is good, and a couple of younger guys coming through, and yeah. But there's positives there, but like you're always cranking when you lose matches, and you're always also disappointed when you lose, when you lose by giving the way the ball as many times as you need to do. Mm. Uh, and Keith, you've, you've used a lot of players throughout January. Is that going to continue throughout the National League, or are you any closer, I suppose, finding your best 15? Well, you know, it, it gets tighter. I mean, we always try to use our quantity of subs, you know. Um, so we'll always try to use our, our maximum amount of subs. Um, you know, so we're trying to do that. Because in the county game, demands that now. So we're doing that. And, um, you know, next week we have a few, hopefully a few more guys who should be back from the injury table are near enough to it so that would be good and you know the table up to hand in train now during the week um, and over the next few weeks you might see the barrels has come back and then you you know you'll see lads from injuries and they'll be putting up the hand and you know you'll be hoping to expose that panel and give them game time as well because you know you can't give someone experience or can't get experience unless you give it to them in the first place so you have to give people a chance and put up the hand and try it and have a go off it and I know we have to give them faith and, and you know in all likelihood in inter-county football your first or second time out you know you're not going to be perfect to that it's going to take a bit of time and you know plenty of league matches plenty of games plenty of practice matches when you get them uh, and it takes a couple of years for an establish if most people establish inter-county football and an inter-county team so it's going to take us that too and it's clear to come now uh, under lights in Parky Cueve next Saturday night uh, which should be a good occasion they had a good win over Offaly today so another tough test next Saturday night Keith Oh absolutely I mean against another season team you know um, I mean every, every, every game we play uh, this year I say most of them will, will, will be considered season teams they've been together now you know consistent you know with almost the same panel bringing in one or two every year but almost the same panel um, so they have that kind of team bond already which we're trying to create now and which we will and, but more importantly they'll have that kind of team understanding of it so and they'll bring a lot I mean you know, Colm is the longest serving manager in the National Football League at the moment he's 
he's not there as he would say himself he's there, there for his looks he's there because he's great knowledge and great you know so he's a good you know a good solid guy and, and he has been a great as well and great working in, in Clare and you know they're coming down to Cork and they'll be trying to eye two points down here you know and uh, you know we'll be coming towards them and we'll be trying to get make sure that we get our first place of points and so it'll be an interesting game from that point of view yeah, absolutely but you know I suppose, look, we're on different trajectories to ourselves and we have different outcomes and we have different uh, reasons or our motivations are different too. So, yeah, they'll be delighted they have two points in the bag and we'll be disappointed that we haven't got two points in the bag. Excellent. Okay. Thanks very much for talking to us on the Big Red Bench this evening. OK, thanks, Mr. Rory. God bless an abs- uh, thanks Keith an absolute pleasure to uh, to speak to Keith uh, on the big red bench this evening after Cork's defeat today but Claire to come now under lights next Saturday night um, we heard a bit from Keith yesterday he spoke to us for an hour in the pre-match press conference on Monday evening it was fascinating to hear him speak it was fascinating to hear that the passion that he has for Cork football and uh, he's well aware of the, the size of the job that he has ahead of him um, but uh, he, it's going to be very very interesting under uh, Keith Rickens stewardship but uh, Claire underlights next Friday next Saturday night down in Parky Cueve uh, should be a great game so get down to that uh, if you can uh, as I mentioned Keith uh, going through a lot of players over 40 players in January so certainly uh leaving no stone unturned I suppose when it comes to finding the best 15 uh, ahead of the championship so it'll be a young exciting Cork team and uh, well worth uh, getting behind alright we're going to talk tennis now and look today was just one of the most amazing things I think I've ever seen I mean like we're all aware of how good Rafa Nadal actually is 20 Grand Slams before today and then pops up 21 with one of the most epic wins I've ever seen against Daniil Medvedev two sets down coming back to win 3-2 uh, winning the final set 7-5 five, 5 hours 24 minutes I was exhausted just watching these two lads go head to head today uh, and I was just sitting down at home watching it on TV it was breathtaking stuff thrilling stuff and uh, Nadal worthy champion 21 grand slams in his back pocket now the most successful men's player of all time our pal Colin Buig tennis expert uh, off the ball journalist uh, I spoke to him uh, earlier on today uh, he's very kindly joined me from his holiday in Mexico to talk about uh, the game going to hear a bit from Rafa first and we'll hear from the Buig I lost a lot of times here uh, having chances uh, sometimes I was a little bit unlucky so I just wanted to keep believing till the end. No, I just wanted to to give me a chance, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, just fight, just keep uh, belief on 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 trying to find a, a solution. Of course, I was lucky to save that that moment. Uh, yeah, I have been a lot of uh, <laughs> moments that can can decide the final like this. No, and he has. Uh, a big advantage and yeah but I don't know I, tonight was on uh, was for me uh, 2012 2017 uh, 2014 with the injury too uh, I, I have been in that position a couple of times in my career here in Australia no? and tonight yeah have been unforgettable uh, I feel very lucky uh, but at the same time I, I think I, I fight it a lot and I work it a lot to try uh, to try to come back to to the tour and to to give myself a chance to keep playing tennis. Yeah, it's. I feel honored. I feel uh, lucky uh, to achieve uh, one more very special thing in my tennis career. I don't care much if I am 
the one or not the one or the or the best of the history or not the best of the history. I really, I, I honestly, today I don't, I don't care much. No, for me it's about enjoying nice like to, like today. Uh, that means everything for me, you know, and uh, means even more to 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 achieve the second Australian Open more than any other thing. Of course, I feel more confident that I. I'm gonna have the chance to keep, keep going, no, and keep fighting and keep enjoying uh, the this beautiful f- sport that that what's make me happy in terms of <laughs> professional thing, no. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I just feel confident now that I I gonna have my chances to to keep playing tennis for a while. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we just heard from the Australian Open champion Rafa Nadal there and for more on it joined by our good friend News Talks Colin Buick joining us all the way from Mexico. Uh, so I think this is the first time we've ever had someone from Mexico on the Big Red Bench so that's a first. So Colin, you're very welcome along to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm honoured to be the first from Mexico. <laughs> um, tell us, buddy, um, what can you say about Rafa Nadal that hasn't already been said? That was an incredible performance. Five hours, 24 minutes, Australian Open champion. It's just incredible. Absolutely. Well, I thought now that I would never say again that Rafael Nadal is the Australian Open champion. He's only won it once. That was way back in 2009. And he's lost four finals subsequently, the most recent of which is in 2019 when he was well beaten. So I thought, I, I, I didn't rule out Nadal winning another Grand Slam, definitely, but I thought Roland Garros, he'll avenge the uh, semi-final defeat last year from Novak Djokovic, which was probably, uh, up until that point anyway, the best match I've ever seen, maybe, along with the 2008 Wimbledon final between Nadal and Federer. But Jesus, like this most recent uh, final now between Daniel Medvedev and Nadal at this Australian Open is going to be right up there because the tension in that final set, knowing what was um, an offer for Nadal and the history there, and Medvedev is, is probably the most informed, best player in the world at the moment. Heartbreaking for him. That's two Australian Open final defeats in a row for Medvedev, reigning US Open champion. But for uh, Nadal, it's absolutely remarkable because it was as recent as a month and a half ago. He almost certainly wasn't going to play the Australian Open and his body's racked with injuries. There's a, a few times over the last five years or so where he kind of hinted at the fact that he may never play again. And here he is now as the official greatest of all time, statistic, like statistic-wise, with mm-hmm. 21 Grand Slam titles. It's absolutely amazing. Um, that final set, as you mentioned, was just absolutely incredible. He's serving for the match. Medvedev breaks and you're thinking, right, this has got to be Medvedev. Now the momentum's with him. Oh, I, I thought I can't believe he's done this, Nadal. And he was two points away twice. So on Medvedev's serve as well. And then, as you say, he was serving for for the first time at, I think, 5-4 in the fifth set. And he was 30-love up. And you thought, OK, this is only a matter of time. You're, you're talking probably within 60 seconds. He'll be celebrating. And then Daniel Medvedev, as I was saying, he's probably uh, currently the best player in the world in form. And... When he broke him to level at five all, <clears throat> I honestly thought I was texting a friend of mine who was watching it. Um, I think Medvedev's going to win this, and I don't know how Nadal's ever going to recover from this. So I did not expect Nadal to immediately bounce back. But look, that's a testament to the man himself. That's his greatest attribute, I think, is his fighting spirit. Obviously, he has remarkable technique to have lasted this long: twenty-one Grand Slam titles, thirteen at the French Open. Definitely the best player player of all time. But I think what makes this so special is that the Australian Open is his least successful. The Grand Slam of the four, as I say, he's only won it once beforehand, and now he becomes only the second man in the Open era to have won all four Grand Slams at least twice. The other one being Djokovic, of course, and I think only the fourth player ever to do so. So um, I'm just I'm delighted for him, really, mm-hmm. to be honest, because um, 
a lot of the focus these days is on Djokovic, you know, for, for better or for worse, depending where you sit on that side of the fence. And uh, I think Nadal, you know, he was kind of quietly going about his business. And, and I think people thought if he wins another French Open, he'd be doing well. And when he lost the semi-final last year at the French Open, you know, a lot of people thought maybe that's the end of Nadal and Grand Slams. But here we are. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for him. It's one of the best victories I've seen. Speaking of Djokovic, the spectre of him has loomed large over this tournament. Um, is Nadal's victory tainted in any way by the lack of Djokovic's participation? I don't think Nadal would have won if Djokovic was playing simple as but I don't think that matters either I really don't think Nadal is going to care I don't think Nadal's fans will mind <laughs> and I don't think the history book, history books are going to judge it either do you know mm. so objectively it's there he's won he's the 2022 Australian Open champion it doesn't matter um, but yeah I think if, if Djokovic was if Djokovic was playing I don't think Nadal probably wouldn't even be in the final but you asked the, you know the word he used was tainted and I don't think it's tainted but I don't think he would have won if Djokovic was playing but that doesn't matter now Attentions are already turning um, to the French Open. Talking about Nadal going for that again. And as you mentioned, for a man who didn't know if he's going to play it two months ago, it's been an incredible turnaround, and there's a lot of excitement now about him. Oh, amazing! Yeah, the momentum. Like you, you would be excited for him, you know, with the momentum because it's only a few months away. The French, and he'll definitely want to avenge that defeat last year. And, and in 2020, he hammered Djokovic in the final at the French Open, beat him in straight sets, uh, and really annihilated him. So I think people thought, thought that he was going to repeat defeat, maybe not so easily, but do it last year, but then to lose the way he did. And then for Djokovic to actually go on and win that final, also two sets to love down against Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, there's two things here. I think he'll be favourite now, Nadal, to win the French with momentum. And then the other question is, well, will Djokovic actually play because of his uh, stance, you know? And I think um, the early signs from France is that uh, there'll be, you know, possibly equally a strict uh, on Nadal getting in and playing but look time will tell on that one uh, if the one thing we've learned the last month is that um, this story uh, can age very quickly and uh, it can update very rapidly so at the time of speaking we don't even know if Jack is going to play the French Open and if he does I think uh, it'll make Nadal's quest all the more difficult but look I think whatever Whatever Nadal does from here on in for the rest of his career, this is one of his greatest achievements while he's done at this Australian Open. Yeah, 21 Grand Slam titles now for Nadal. Is there any argument to be made that he's not the greatest of all time? Um, good question. I Yeah, you, you would you would easily be able to argue that um, Roger Federer is the most talented player of all time. Um, there's, a few, uh, there's a few debates there specifically to do with Federer. When he dominated in the mid two thousands, nobody could touch him. No, like nobody. It was like Michael Schumacher and Tiger Woods and their pump. Mm. Um, it, it was borderline boring because nobody could go near Federer. And it was, you know, Juan Martín del Potro beat him at the two thousand and nine U.S. Open final, and that was massive. And Nadal beating him in the two thousand and eight Wimbledon final was huge as well. So Federer just had it all his own way. The other side of it at that point was Nadal was really getting going mid to late. 2000s and Djokovic only won one Grand Slam in the 2000s that was the 2008 Australian Open he didn't win a second title till 2011 so kind of had it his own way there but in terms of the, the ease of his play I think Federer is the best ever um, but then you look like statistically Djokovic imperious and uh, his attitude is just remarkable on the court never say die can win in any surface so there's absolutely arguments for all three absolutely but if someone was to walk in now to you and say very confidently Rafael Nadal is the greatest tennis player of all time how can he argue with that 
you know and that's what makes it so brilliant that's what's why that's why the rivalry has been excellent yeah. it really has uh, and we did touch on Djokovic there um, how um, how much of his legacy has been tarnished given what happened over the past month and I suppose his supporters won't care I guess um, about his stance and, and not playing but for the average punter how much has he been damaged in their eyes do you think significantly yeah definitely because it went beyond tennis you know and I think when you know the the positive case and then going about his business and knowing that he was positive you know it doesn't sit well with people quite rightly um, I think like to your question I think people had already made up their mind about Djokovic largely if they didn't like him and this just added to it hmm. and on the other side of the fence I think if you were a Djokovic fan you're almost excusing him and you're defending him you know and like oh he, you know he, he was doing everything he could and he, he thought he was safe to do so and you know really it's it's the Australian officials here in Border Force that need to look at themselves that, there are two arguments for it but I think it's absolutely significantly impacted his reputation just the way things transpired I think I, I don't think Australia are blameless either I think that they um, the officials that is they they could have gone about it much better and much more seamless and made it easier for Djokovic but really you know, it's very simple if Djokovic had got vaccinated this wouldn't be an issue and um, that was his choice which is absolutely fine but then he tried to have his cake and eat it and I think people don't forget that I'm, I'm personally I, I am a big Djokovic fan as a tennis player I think mm-hmm. he's brilliant I think he's excellent for sport and I was saying on off the ball when when it was you know finally announced that he wouldn't be playing in the Australian Open I, it's bad for the tournament it really is because mm-hmm. it's a better tournament when Novak Djokovic plays so that's where I stand in it I, I it won't change my opinion too much of Djokovic I still think he's a brilliant tennis player but I can totally understand if people are, are really turned off by him now you know yeah, certainly so uh, just uh, a quick word Nash Barty uh, winning the, her home tournament the first Australian player in 44 years to do it incredible stuff from her and she was flawless all the way through the tournament column unbelievable um, just racking up straight sets victories no bother to her now she's won <laughs> uh, three of the four slams already mid-twenties um, she's won on all surfaces uh, grass, clay and hard courts so she just has the US Open now to, to, to win I think the only thing that's stopping her there is the, the actual tennis balls they use don't suit her game they're a bit soft so I think she's trying to um, use her significant influence now and increasing influence to say any chance that those uh, tennis balls could be uh, changed a bit and then she could have um, all four Grand Slams at a pretty young age. But yeah, she's brilliant. And I, I think the uh, the thing with Barty too is she's such a popular figure. She's so genuinely humble. Um, mm. And I was I was looking on Twitter there, the TV viewing figures in Australia have been through the roof for every Barty match, and w- which makes that even... Uh, more impressive because her victories have been pretty straightforward but you know she's she's very charismatic in her own humble way and uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for her. it's actually been a brilliant Australian Open worry because you have Nadal winning and Barty in those stories and then Nick Kyrgios winning the doubles with uh, Tanisai Kakanakis is just another excellent story like these <laughs> these two lads are wildcard entries so uh, it's been a really enjoyable Australian Open because you know the two weeks beforehand were a very long time with the Djokovic saga and then by the time that finished, we were just right on the eve of the tournament. Everybody was exhausted. So you can't <laughs> yeah. even watch the tennis. But now two weeks on, it's, it's all been worth it. And you can't help but feel glad for the tournament director, our tennis uh, Australia chief, Craig Tiley, because he was under immense pressure. Mm. And both Nadal and Medvedev paid tribute to him in their uh, speeches after the match, which I thought was fitting because that man deserves a point, I'd say, after uh, what he's been through. <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, Colin, pleasure talking to you today, buddy. Uh, let's get back to Mexico. Lovely stuff. Cheers. <laughs> 
And the Buick deserves a point for uh, joining us uh, live from Mexico this evening before he uh, slotted uh, off home. So thanks indeed to Colin for that. But like that tennis match today, it was just absolutely something else. Um, I was glued to it. I was on the edge of my seat for the final set. Um, it was just absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff. And my uh, thanks to uh, Colin Buick from Off the Ball for joining us on the show this evening. It was just electric, absolutely electric. All right, still to come on the show, a packed uh, half hour before uh, we can hand over to Green and Red at 7pm. We're going to hear from New Cork captain Amy Lee looking ahead to the New Cork Camogie season. We're going to talk uh, Winter Olympics and Cork-born skier Bubba Newby. We'll be talking to him about his Cork roots. Um, we're going to talk uh, rugby as well, the Ireland under-20s uh, in action against Wales at Musgrave Park on Friday. So we'll hear from them. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Really delighted you could join us on The Big Red Bench where we're here with you on till 7pm and as always if you would like to get in touch with the show 086-8104-106 for your texts or your whatsapps you can send us a tweet as well if that tickles your fancy at Big Red Bench is where you will find us on Twitter Alright we are going to talk uh, Winter Olympics now we're going to look ahead and uh, Corkborn skier Bubba Newby will, com- will be competing in his second games representing Ireland in Beijing. Newby was born in Cork to American parents uh, but grew up in Utah. So Cullum has been chatting to him about his Cork roots representing Ireland in the games and plenty more besides. So we're joined now by Bubba Newby who is representing Ireland in the Winter Olympics in a few weeks time over in China in Beijing. We're a few weeks out from the Winter Olympics and he's already over there in the Olympic Village. Um, He's going to be taking part in the winter sports. He's got his skis ready to go and uh, it's going to be a really really great occasion over there and he joins me on the line now Bubba thanks a million for joining us how are you doing today I'm very very good Um, so Bubba clearly by your accent we can tell that um, you have an American accent so you were born here in Ireland originally and that's how you qualify and that's your background you were born in Cork in fact but you moved back to the States with your family to Utah in the States which is uh, synonymous I suppose with winter sports and winter weather and so on and that's where your love of skiing and of winter sports developed so give us a bit of background to that first of all yeah, so I was born in Cork. My dad had a teaching job at UCC. And then when I was about two, we moved to Utah. And then that's where I grew up. And Utah just has amazing snow, amazing mountains. If you want to do anything winter sport related, it's a super good place to do it. So my dad taught me to ski when I was four years old. And then we were kind of just went up every weekend, weekend warrior style. And then I just never really stopped. My older siblings still ski and my younger siblings do, but they kind of did other sports in high school. But I was just skiing all the time. And uh, I got my teachers in high school to like give me a release period so I could just go ski instead of class. Big shout out to them. That was cool. And um, then started skiing for Ireland when I was, I believe, 18 years old and been at it ever since competing internationally. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I mean, when you moved back to, to Utah, um, the 2002 Winter Olympics was on in Salt Lake City. So that probably really got it in your mind as well, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I uh, went to a couple events my dad brought me to that I still remember. And then just growing up in Utah, we have all the Olympic facilities and they keep them running. So every facility from the 2002 Games is still... Um, 
still in operation, like for international competition, they'll still hold world cups there. And, um, so if you want to do any pro winter sport, it's a good place to do it. Absolutely. And representing Ireland, obviously the country of your birth, but was that the, was that the reason that you chose Ireland or what made you choose Ireland to represent? Um, I think being born there is a big reason why. And then another huge reason is skiing is just so fun and it's such a cool thing to do with your time. And I know there's not much, any snow or really mountains there, but if I can show that there's like a pathway for people from Ireland to get into this sport, then that's a win for me. So if I do it for Ireland and some young kid says, oh, that's tight, I want to do it too, and then he gets involved in snow sports, then I'm, I'll be really happy about that. Yeah, because our climate and our um, our terrain and so on isn't very, very suited to winter sports. I mean, we don't get much snow, we don't get much cold weather um, to that level, certainly, anyway. So it's probably not an obvious um, sporting kind of path for an Irish youngster to take up. But you're kind of hoping it might encourage them, Boba. They might see you at the Winter Olympics. And that's what you want to achieve, I suppose, really, is what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I realize the climate's not really possible, What's uh, Four years ago, when we flew back from the Pyeongchang Olympics, it was during that huge snowstorm. <laughs> the beast Ireland from the had. east, that was called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, 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 that we was get that crazy. like once every 10 years, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was wild to be there for it. It was, uh, I don't know, like six inches of snow in places and the country was shut down. Just get out the skis. And then where I'm from, if we have, if we have that much snow where I'm from, they're like, yeah, you still got to go to school. They don't care. <laughs> But I wish I brought out the skis. I I got out on the very last flight that day. And so I didn't have time to go shred, but I definitely would have if I was there. Brilliant. So um, you will have a few days of practice before the competition gets underway on the 17th of February, Bubba. How has the the practice been going, the training been going ahead of the Winter Olympics? Well, until, so we get three days of training total. And that starts the three days before my event. So until then, we're just kind of hanging around the village. We're going to go ski around the mountain tomorrow and just to get out, do something, get in the sun. But we won't actually have access to a half pipe until our three official training days. Is that, is that a bit annoying that you can't get a bit of practice in before then? It would be definitely be a lot cooler if we could. I mean, it's, there's not like alpine racing and stuff. They can bring up gates and just a normal ski run. They can get some training on, but the pipe is so specific that there's not really any way to train other than in a half pipe. So definitely wish there was another one, but they're, they're an ordeal to get built. So it's not like there's pipes all over the place. What's the atmosphere like over there now in the, in the Winter Olympics? I mean, you're in the Olympic Village. How's the atmosphere amongst all the competitors? Is the atmosphere very exciting? How's it building up ahead of the event? It's cool. So, like, we got here pretty early, one of the first teams to arrive. And mm. it has, so it's been a little bit dead so far. But each day, more and more people show up and it's starting to pop off a little bit. And uh, I'm definitely excited to see some friends I met four years ago. It's definitely a lot different this time, but everyone's still excited and we're all just being really careful, but having a good time. Yeah, because I I was reading actually during the week like that China have, they've said they've 
put Beijing in this impenetrable COVID bubble that nobody will get in or out with COVID. So, I mean, what are the what are the chances of, of, of it being disrupted by COVID, I suppose? That's why you have to be careful because that's the worry that, that some events might be disrupted. We've seen that with lots of sporting events in recent months and over the past couple of years. So, I mean, the Chinese authorities and the Winter Olympics organisers, they're really, really keen for, for it not to be disrupted in any way. But I suppose that worry is always in the back of, of your mind and of all the competitors' minds, isn't it? Yeah, the worry is certainly there. I mean, if Beijing is in a lockdown, a huge lockdown bubble, we're in an even tighter lockdown mm. bubble. There's PCR tests every day. There's stuff watching to see if we come in contact with people. So everything is super tight on the COVID side of things. And it's good. I mean, if nobody gets it, that's the goal. We're really trying to get through this whole month without being exposed once. And uh, hopefully with the protocols that are installed, then we can do that. Because, yeah, I do not want to qualify for the Olympics just to be get COVID and not be able to. What's your goal out of the Winter Olympics? Obviously, it's great to be going over there competing, but what, what level of success are you hoping to achieve? Or have you like a goal in your own mind, Bubba, that you want to achieve for Ireland or for yourself? Uh, I've got a run in my head that if I could put down, I would be absolutely hyped about. It's um, a lot of work to get that run down to my feet, but I think I can do it if if the stars align. And I just, if I can get one place better than last time, I'll call it a win. Super. Brilliant. Listen, Bubba, the very best to look over there. <laughs> I'd love to be over there myself. It sounds brilliant and it sounds like a lot of fun. And we'll certainly be watching it on TV and keeping an eye on your progress and your performance uh, over the coming weeks. So the very best to look and thanks for chatting to us, Bubba. Sick. Thanks, man. It's good talking to you. It was absolutely great to hear from Bubba Newby there, the uh, the Cork man uh, representing Ireland in Beijing in the uh, Winter Olympics. It's going to be absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, so very best of luck uh, to Bubba. Um, uh, as you heard there, born in Cork when his dad was uh, lecturing in UCC. Um, so that's uh, the Cork connection there. So he's a Cork man. He's one of us. He's one of our own. So we'll be looking out for Bubba and the very, very best, best of luck indeed uh, to him and the other five members of Team Ireland at the Winter Olympics. Some news breaking this evening. Cahill Heffernan, the son of Irish Olympians Rob and Marion Heffernan. Looks like he signed for AC Milan. Uh, it's been ongoing all week. A lot of negotiations, a lot of back and forth, a lot of toing and froing looked like it was dead in the water um, uh, on Friday uh, but it looks like it's back on it looks like he is going to be signing on loan for the Italian giants Andrew Horgan our good friend reporting in the Echo that it's uh, about to happen just waiting uh, to cross some T's and dots some I's uh, before it's officially announced but it looks like uh, Cahal Heffernan the Ireland under 17 international will be uh, signing on loan for AC Milan what a massive opportunity that is for the Cork man fine footballer brilliant centre half comfortable on the ball uh, big future ahead of him in the game um, so really looking forward uh, to where the future takes him and the Daily Mail reporting that uh, Everton are set to announce Frank Lampard as their new boss could even be named tonight but they're saying in the next 24 hours at the very most Frank Lampard will replace Rafa Benitez as uh, the new Everton boss. Right, going to talk Mogi now and Jeremy uh, uh, McCarthy, our good pal, has been talking to uh, new Cork Camogie captain Amy Lee uh, about being named captain about Cork's year last year, of course, new management this year, uh, new coaches and uh, a new challenge for the Rebels. So Jeremy uh, McCarthy has been speaking to new Cork Camogie captain Amy Lee. 
Thanks very much, Ger. It's, <laughs> it's, it's almost unreal. It's unbelievable at this stage. It's great. Um, you sound surprised by the fact that you've been selected as captain. Um, it's obvious that the, the management team think a lot of you um, and believe in you that they've given you this position. But from your own point of view, when and where did you find out that you were the new car captain? Um, I was actually, I was out with two of my friends and uh, Louise Weldon, the PRO for Carcamogie, was ringing me and I just ignored it because I didn't want to be rude to my friends or whatever. Um, and they were like, what if that's important? I was like, Errol, I'll run her back later. And she rang me again, but I was driving home, so I didn't answer again. She texted me then, uh, and I rang her back when I got home, and that's when she was congratulating me. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, it's, look, it is a lovely honour. It's a lovely honour, obviously, for yourself, but for your club, Napiershig, and the Shandoon, the, the county champions, um, what a lovely honour as well. Like, all the young girls that have been watching you playing Camogie all these years now are looking at the car captain, and, and that's, I know it's added, um, it's not so much added pressure, but it's it's recognition of the work that's been done in those areas. Ah, uh, yeah, and I always say it's great for the kids to have something so close to home to look up to. And, like, I always say, like, some of them probably don't have a clue what's going on in the Camogie world, but just having some sort of title, they're, like, amazed by it. So it's great for them, like. Um, and from, again, like, you're, that's a pretty impressive dressing room that you're part of this year, and there's already a lot of leaders in there. I guess that's probably a good thing from your point of view you're, you're new to the captaincy I don't think too many things are going to change apart from additional media requirements but inside that dressing room and on the training pitch Cork are lucky that along with yourself there's a lot of leaders there already Yeah it's great it's it's all it's always almost a shared responsibility across everyone on the team and I think the, the newer girls that have been called up this year have fit in very well and they won't be long um coming up to like their own getting their own voices really and having their own saying things and what we do so it's great to have leaders all over um, The other side of things is that you're a goalkeeper so is it fair to say that the position that you play in the pitch is a good one for in terms of a captain because you see everything and there's little things that you can pick up on and talk to players about afterwards Um, Yeah it's very good I, I guess a great view of the pitch from where I'm standing um, I think it will definitely help just a few opinions and little tips and stuff obviously um, the lads on the sideline and whoever's on the bench and stuff will pick up on things as well so it definitely will help just having the broader picture in front of me just to help the girls in any way I can and speaking of that sideline, um, there's a new man at the helm this year in Matthew Toomey, a man you know from last year, but he's there's a new management team. It's all a bit fresh um, heading into 2022 for the players. How has training been going over um, January and into February? Well, yeah, it's been good. The same, same as every other country, I suppose, doing our pre-season bits, injury prevention, all that kind of stuff, get us ready for the league campaign that's starting in a few weeks. Um, and what about Matthew? Because I know the players know him well from last year, from his time working with the previous manager, Paddy Murray. But now that he's the manager, is he? Um, he's obviously there at all those tra- different training sessions. How are the players reacting to the new uh, management setup? Um, I think they're, they're, he, he's got a, a massive response. Um, it's a, it's always almost <laughs> scary in one way having such a big change like that. But I think he's 
handled it well and he he is very good to us and he always has been the years I've been involved he's he's very good at what he does Indeed he is and another man that's very good at what he does and that has joined the management team is Davy Fitzgerald from Clare the only question I really want to ask about Davy is how is the banter and has it been flying in both directions between the Cork players and a Clare man at heart but a man involved now with Cork Camogie for the coming year Ah yeah do you know what it's, it's a nice balance he has like um, he's done one or two nights a week and when like obviously there's hard work there but he, he's not afraid to have a uh, small little laugh or little little chit chat or whatever, um, which is great. It's nice. It's just nice to keep the the atmosphere like that, you know. Yeah, and it's important. I would imagine as well at this time of year, as you said, Amy. Like, there's a lot of hard drudge work that has to be done when you're an intercounty player to get your body ready. Um, you know, the, your touch and playing, you know, in, in you know, training matches and challenge games is all well and good. But this is the time of year you really have to put the effort in. Ah, yeah, and look, I suppose every every county are on the same page at the moment um, and look I suppose nothing will kind of tell until we go out and play matches and see where we all are Indeed and those matches are coming up pretty thick and fast in the month of February because you've got Clare away and home to Limerick and home to Kilkenny in the National League that's going to focus minds very quickly Ah yeah it will and it'll be good to see to see where we are hurling wise uh, try different things like Again, like try players. It's it's and it's starting early, so it's good to kind of just get it out there. Yeah, is that a help this year? The fact that you won't have to wait around too long for the league, and you'll be straight into the championship after that. That's the kind of thing players want—just regular games. Um, yeah. Other than other than I suppose the weather in February, I'd say <laughs> it, it is a good thing. Um, and I'm not sure of the championship fixtures yet, but I think we might be finishing up a bit earlier. And I think it's just nice to have uh, extra time with the club again. Uh, it just make, it makes a small bit fairer for us. Like, yeah, you're a fan of the split season, and it certainly helped Shandoon last year. Yeah, it is. Thank God. Um, and I think just play, playing games constantly helped helped us loads as well. So you're going straight from an intercounty season into club games and then you have your divisional games then up senior so that that helped majorly Excellent stuff well it sounds like you're going to be very busy both on and off the pitch as the new captain and we're delighted for you here in the big red bench Amy Lee thank you very much for your time Thanks Ger You're listening to the big red bench on Cork Red FM and that is Ger McCarthy in conversation with a new Cork Camogie captain Amy Lee congratulations indeed to Amy it's an incredible honour to be uh, named to lead your county so congratulations indeed to Amy and for more, you can hear John McCarthy in the Women in Sport podcast uh, every week on redfm.ie. And uh, you can get uh, that audio there. And there'll be plenty more besides uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, right, uh, we're going to talk rugby in just a sec. Briefly, just want to, we heard from Keith Rick and Cork Boss earlier on today after the defeat to uh, Ross Common. Briefly going to hear from uh, Kerry Boss, uh, Jack O'Connor. Not a happy man after their, not a happy man even. I'm not sure if he's a happy man, but he's definitely not a happy man after uh, their draw with Kildare in Division 1 of the Alliance National Football League today. Feel like a point gained or a point lost? Uh, it's hard to know. Look. You, you, you could make an argument for saying we're lucky to get out here with a point the way we played in the second half um, we basically tried to hold on to a lead with 20 minutes to go and that was never going to happen you know so uh, not happy with the second half performance we played alright in the first left a few scores after us 
Paul Ganey had a chance of a point there David Clifford had a chance of a point went for a goal bits and pieces so we possibly could have been six or seven up at half time but I felt that four was, 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 was never going to be enough and that's the way it proved Clearly this this Kildare team still has a lot of your <laughs> hall print on it so there was no surprise no but there was no surprise in terms of what they were going to bring my print is the fact that that Kildare are just a very tough team to play here in, in Newbridge you know I know that from being involved with them we had a Titanic battle last year you were here uh, column at the at the, at the uh, Mead game very tough game and Kildare played very well in that game so um, yeah uh, the big crowd, the tightness of the pitch, the fact that the, that, that the heavens opened a little bit um, and, and there was, a, there was a, the ball was slippery. So it was always going to be tough here. It's, it's really a defender's, it was a defender's day, I suppose. And that kind of reflected in the scoreboard. But we wouldn't be happy with our forward play. There wasn't enough movement up there. The ball wasn't sticking. And uh, Kildare was just, just, just um, giving us trouble on the counter then. Yeah, that's uh, Jack O'Connor there speaking after Kerry's draw with Kildare. Going to wrap up the show, going to talk uh, rugby, the Ireland in the 20s getting their Six Nations campaign underway. Uh, right here in Cork next Friday night against Wales, that is at Musgrave Park. Uh, head coach uh, Richie Murphy was uh, on media duties on Friday where our man Aidan uh, heard from him. And next, uh, after that, we're going to hear from uh, Patrick Campbell, the uh, minor All-Ireland winner with Cork, who's been drafted into the side as well. But this is uh, Ireland head coach Richie Murphy. Hi Richie, Aidan Lee here from Red FM Sport. Um, what did you learn last year that you're going to take into this year? The big thing from uh, from a coaching point of view, last year obviously was was a unique year because of the competition, the way the way it was set up. This 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 year, we probably have uh, well, it's definitely more like a, a proper Six Nations, less less sort of a tournament feel, as in you know you're gone every five days, but you can't be off like you know what i mean so every every game that you're you're in you got to be fully focused you got to be fully focused for every minute of that game so that so that you're 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 putting your best foot forward and and one of the things i felt last year was we just came in and out our our, our levels of concentration in game wavered just a little bit too much and that cost us probably in the end especially uh, one or two decisions that we had in the in the English game was one or two things towards in that French game when we had the game probably under our control in the first half and then and then we let it get away from us in the second half. So the big the big focus for our guys this year is is being sort of a minute by minute play by play uh, focus um, and making sure that you know we're not we're not letting the opposite given the opposition stuff that they can sort of feed off because that that's massively important in any competition like a six nations thanks richie best of luck so the squad has come together quite well um we've looked we've looked at i think we've had uh, i think it's 54 players through camp um and obviously we're down to 31 at the moment we will add in another player. One of our players picked up an injury during the week and we'll miss out on, on the back of that. So uh, we'll pick up another player um, after the AIL games this weekend. Does the fact that the guys have missed out on that other age, underage rugby, like, is that an issue, do you think? I mean, is it noticeable that they're, they're lacking that bit of com- competitive game time? It is an issue, definitely. You know what I mean? Like even even the fact that okay, they haven't played for Ireland at 18s and 19s, but like a lot of them have missed their schools cup rugby over the over the past couple of seasons as well. So um, there is definitely uh, 
there's definitely something missing there for some of them, for some of the guys, and it and it means that their learning curve is a little bit steeper probably than 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 it would have been if they had had those experience. But uh, the one thing that I couldn't fault is uh, their application and uh, dedication towards the whole thing. They've been really focused. They've worked really hard um, in in the camps that we've had, and and we've had a a good good uh, a good sort of bit of time with them. We've played three games. We've seen improvement all, through all those three games. So we're just trying to sharpen sharpen them up now for for Wednesday or for Friday week against Wales. Yeah, and that is uh, this coming Friday. Musgrave Park, the under twenties, uh, kicking off their Six Nations campaign. What should be a cracking night down in Musgrave? All right, minor All Ireland winner of course, Patrick Campbell, has been drafted into the Ireland squad. He's been speaking to Aidan and the Assembly Media. Hi, Patrick Aidan here from Red FM in Cork. Hey. How special will it be to wear the green jersey in your home county in Musgrave Park? Oh, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be an amazing feeling. Obviously, this. I don't think there's. Unfortunately, there's not many high-level rugby games playing in Cork, but it's great that the Musgrave Park kind of nailed down those under-20 games. So I'm extremely buzzing for that, to see all my family um, out there and everyone I know. So I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Patrick. Best of luck. Thanks very much. Hey, Patrick. How are things? All good and yourself? Not too bad. Congrats um, on the call-up. Um, when you were winning a minor title with Cork, did you ever think you'd be ending up in the under-26 Nations playing for Ireland? Uh, no, to be honest, at that time I don't think I'd be, I'd be here at the moment. But look, the last two years have been a bit of a whirlwind. But I think everything plays out for a reason, and I'm very happy where I am at the moment. Yeah, how do you reflect on it? I presume it was a pretty much a whirlwind for you. Like, I mean, were you late coming to rugby? Like, I mean, how big of a decision was it to park the guy? Oh, it was a huge decision. Obviously, like playing with lads since you're four years old, and then telling that like you're going to switch codes but no like a lot of hard decisions were made but I still think I chose the right decision What was it that's way if you in the end? Um, I think the I always enjoyed the sense of professionalism that uh, sport has and I want to see how far I could go with that Sure getting called up to the 20s kind of not just not that you need to justify your decision but it, it makes it a little bit better and obviously the experience you had with Munster before Christmas, um, does that make it kind of a little settle a little bit easier in your mind? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Playing like getting involved in those two big games that I was obviously adds to my experience and the, makes the game way more enjoyable for myself playing at a high level. So I really think that would do. Well, talk to us a bit about the experience in Coventry. Obviously, it was dream stuff. Um, couldn't have went much better for you. Like, what were you like in the week building up to it, and I suppose during the game and after the game, how do you look back on it now? So at the time it was just kind of so like I was in just such a thought of the game that I didn't really take kind of just took it on my stride but looking back at it now it was obviously such an amazing experience but during the week I think I was very calm and just like looking forward to the game I was just kind of buzzing all week for the game so I didn't really think too much of it Does having you, you obviously played in some big occasions in the game not to keep coming back to it but did that help you think going over to Coventry playing in, in an occasion like that? 100% like, like playing in Crow Park on the semi-final final like mentally preparing yourself for big games I think that really helped just for that, for that game in particular with the kind of hype around it so I really do think the, the guy really helped in that way the big red bench on Cork Shred FM and that is Patrick Campbell who is in the uh, Ireland under 20 squad uh, for the Six Nations and very excited as you can hear uh, about the prospect of wearing a green jersey in Musgrave Park in his home county on a Friday night.
that's pretty much it from us from the Big Red Bench this evening thank you very much indeed for, for listening to us and uh, really appreciate really appreciate you listening in every week and uh, really really thankful for it if you'd like to uh, listen back to this show if you missed any of it we had a busy show today uh, we heard from uh, Keith Ricken the Cork football boss we spoke to, uh, about uh, Raf Nadal's when we heard from uh, Bubba Newby uh, the uh, Cork born skier representing Ireland uh, that will all be on our podcast which is available on redfm.ie if you go to Spotify if you go to iTunes if you go to wherever you get your podcasts from you'll be able to search for Big Red Bench and it will pop up and uh, yesterday's show uh, is there as well so well worth uh, checking out both of those shows so thank you very much indeed follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench and on Instagram as well uh, we're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Green and Red up next three hours of the best Irish music coming your way right here on Cork's Red FM enjoy the rest of your Sunday night folks it's been a great show it's been uh, great having you for company this evening thanks very much and we'll talk to you next week miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM